Hey DCL fans, if you're thinking about taking a Disney cruise vacation, or any other Disney vacation for that matter, consider booking your trip with us. We are an independent travel agent affiliated with Mickey World Travel, an authorized Disney vacation planner. Our services are completely free and you'll receive an onboard credit up to $1,000 just for booking with us, which can be used for shore excursions, spa treatments, shopping, and much more while you are aboard your Disney cruise. We also have a wealth of cruising experience to help you answer any questions or concerns that you might have. If you're interested, send us an email at wes at mickeyworldtravel.com. And now, on to the show. Welcome to episode number 40 of the DCL Dude Podcast. My name is Wes, and I hope you all have had a great week. My wife, Alyssa, is going to be joining me for this episode. Hi. She's a little under the weather, so if she sounds a little different than usual, that's probably why. It's been a, an absolutely brutal winter for us. We've had a, a gorgeous couple of days, though, so uh, we're hoping the worst is, uh, is behind us. We are also currently in cruise planning mode, and we're battling a little bit because we're not <laughs> not completely in agreement about what we want to do next, but uh, this is typically how we plan our cruises. I say where I want to go, she says where uh, where she wants to go, and then we book wherever it is that she wants to go. So That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. In this episode, we are going to uh, respond to some listener questions about Disney Cruise Line and also go through... Uh, just a couple other frequently asked questions. We uh, we 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 put a question out on our Facebook page, um, asking if anybody had any specific Disney Cruise related questions, and we had some that were submitted to us, uh, which will will work into discussion. So thanks to everyone who sent in uh, those questions. Just uh, feel free to ask a question at any time over on our Facebook page. Or uh, you could also find us on Twitter, and uh, I'll try to or- in- incorporate them onto a future show. But I also follow a few different Disney Cruise fan pages, uh, and I, I sometimes sometimes I'll see a few questions that get asked multiple times. So I, I grabbed a couple of those as well. Liz is going to read the questions, and I'll do my best to respond, um, and then hopefully she'll jump in with uh, with anything else she has to add to. So. Take it away, Liz, uh, with question number one. All right, number one. Can you bring your own snorkel gear to Castaway Key? Can we just rent a vest and be allowed to snorkel in the lagoon without paying for the excursion? That is a great question. And, of course, the answer is yes, you can bring your own snorkel gear uh, with you to Castaway Key. And you can also use it on different excursions as well. So... Um, I actually bring my own snorkel gear. I just started doing this a couple, uh, a couple cruises ago and yes, you can bring your own snorkel gear. You can swim in the, the snorkel lagoon. You will need to wear a vest. They do require that you wear a vest. However, you do not have to rent one. So they have vests just kind of hanging, um, in different places around the family beach area and around the snorkel lagoon. So you can just grab one of those and, and throw that on, inflate it, and then, or actually you don't even have to inflate it, but you, you do have to wear it so that the lifeguards can see you. But uh, yes, it's a, a great idea to bring your own snorkel equipment if you have the room in your suitcase and also if uh, if you don't mind just kind of hauling that around on your Castaway Key Day and uh, finding space for it in your stateroom. So 
Absolutely. I, I definitely recommend bringing your own snorkel gear. And Liz, who is a uh, snorkeling... Anti-snorkeling? <laughs> I just don't like fish. <laughs> yeah. Love the beach. Don't love fish. Yeah. I it's I'm trying to get her to, to, to warm up to it, but not a huge snorkel fan, but that's okay. All right. What's next? All right. The next question is from listener Charlie. How do you handle cellular plans? I have AT&T. Not that we would use it often, but for casual checkups to our grandparents and such. Thanks, Charlie, for the question. So uh, we we use Verizon for our cell phone plan, which uh, offers a service called Travel Pass for international travelers. Um, we've never used this on a cruise. We typically, um, uh, like you mentioned, we kind of just like to, to put our phones away while we're on a cruise. Uh, but I have used it before while traveling internationally for work. So with the Verizon plan for $10 a day, you can opt into this uh, international travel pass plan, which essentially just allows you to use your phone the same way uh, that you would in your everyday life. The pass is, is good for 24 hours. Uh, and you would just continue to be charged $10 for uh, any additional 24-hour period. So I, I can't speak for AT&T or any of the, the other uh, wireless providers, but I, I believe AT&T has a similar offering, and I'm sure uh, the other carriers do as well. Um, so if you're looking to use it for just one or two days to kind of check in with, with loved ones or check your email or post to your social media pages, then this might not be a bad option. You'd have to um, you'd have to decide if those things would be worth spending the extra ten dollars a day, or if uh, or if you wanted to pay that daily throughout your trip. So, uh, if if you were if you were planning to do it daily over the course of a, a seven night cruise, I I'd probably recommend one of the the ship's data plans if you you know if you weren't going to use it heavily. Uh, although those plans are aren't great either. Um, so, you know, it's really just kind of figuring out what works best for you. And the last thing I'll say about these daily, uh, cellular plan options is I, I'd imagine that you won't get much service while you're at sea. And I have no idea how good your service is going to be, uh, in the ports of call either. So, uh, but I, if you do end up trying this out, Charlie, if, if you try one of these, uh, international data plans with your, um, provider while you're on one of these cruises, uh, definitely let me know how it goes. I'd be curious to to hear your 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 thoughts. All right. Question number three: Is there room in the stateroom for luggage for a family of four, um, specifically with a stroller? Great question. Why don't you, Why don't you take this one, Liz? There is because we are a family <laughs> of four and we have plenty of room. Um, we have even brought a double city mini stroller. And it fit under the bed with two large suitcases. So all of it was just out of the way and out, um, tucked away for the entire week. Um, we unpack everything the first day so that we never have to pull our suitcases out. And there's room for all of our stuff in the between the closets and all the drawers. Yeah, so we typically... we. I pack one large suitcase. Alyssa packs one large suitcase. William brings... Um, kind of a travel size and then we typically <laughs> just jam Emily's clothes into one of our our large suitcases which I don't know as she gets uh, older I don't know how well that's gonna work but so we I mean we we I wouldn't say we travel lightly but we'd also don't uh, you know travel um, 
ex- with excessive baggage either. But all our our suitcases fit right underneath the bed, like Liz said. We we unpack. We we pretty much use every drawer space available, drawer and cabinet space available that's in the stateroom. Um, we pack a lot into the into the uh, the closets there, but. We uh we we take all our clothes out, just unpack for the week, and then and then we don't have to uh, see our suitcases again. But like Liz said, everything fits nicely right under the bed. There's plenty of room down there. There's I think there's room to spare even, right? Yeah, definitely. Even with all the uh, the suitcases and the and the stroller that we put down there, so definitely plenty of room. Highly recommend unpacking because it's just gonna make your your stay uh, more enjoyable. It's gonna make it feel more like you're at home. And uh, it's really also a huge hassle to be pulling your your suitcases uh, out from underneath, unpacking whatever you need, and then push, putting them back under. So, uh, although we will put our dirty clothes in one of the suitcases from time to time. So, oh yeah, just to get those out of the way. Yeah. All right. What do you got next? All right. Question number four: Do we miss the regular menu at a restaurant because of the pirate night menu? Or will we be hitting one twice so we won't miss anything? This one is from listener Lauren G. So this, uh, it's tough to answer because it, it, it sort of, the answer is it depends, I guess. Um, it depends on the length of your cruise. So if you're on a three-night cruise, then then yes, you're obviously going to miss out on one of the standard menus. Um, on a four-night cruise, it will just depend on your dining rotation. So if you're not hitting one of the restaurants more than once and the one that you're in happens to have the uh the the pirate menu then yes you'll miss it but if you happen to hit it on the night in one of the restaurants that you're going to be visiting twice then uh then you won't miss out on one of the normal menus but um on the longer cruises when you're visiting each restaurant more than once you'll um you'll be able to enjoy all the different menus and you won't be missing out on anything so the the pirate night unfortunately is is not um our favorite menu but uh i mean it's still great don't get me wrong um so uh hopefully you're on a sailing where you get to experience all of them or if not this time then uh sometime in the future okay uh number five i think we're on (laughs) you don't have to number them if you don't want to (laughs) um can you explain the wi-fi options and any usage strategies so it's probably safe to say that uh, it's pretty well known that <laughs> the Disney Cruise Line's uh, internet or Wi-Fi packages, not even just the packages, just the service itself is not not the greatest, um, and the packages are, are pretty expensive. So uh, I did want to go over, I thought this was a good question because I actually wanted to go over um, the, the, the different plans and some usage strategies because... Uh, this past cruise that we took back in November uh, was actually the first time that we had used one of the uh, Connect at Sea options uh, on a Disney cruise. Besides the the 50 megabytes or whatever it is that of the free um, the free data that they give you on day one of your sailing, which if you aren't aware of that, when you sign into the app, the Disney Cruise Line app. Uh, you can opt in to uh, 50 free megabytes of the, the Wi-Fi for your first day of sailing. So you, you probably won't need it a whole lot because you're, you're going to have service at Port Canaveral or wherever you're sailing out of. And the, 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 uh, the data gets used up pretty quickly, and I'm pretty sure it's only available on that first night. But if you weren't aware of that, definitely go check that out next on your next sailing. Um, but 
for as far as the other packages go, so Disney Cruise Line offers a pay-as-you-go package, um, which is $0.25 cents per megabyte. I definitely do not recommend going this route because a lot of people will say, well, I'm not going to use all that much, so I'll just pay for what I'm, go- what I'm going to use. Um, and it just it ends up... I, I can promise you, you end up spending a lot more than you will if you um, just get one of the packages. So uh, you can get a small package, which is uh, 100 megabytes for $19. So that comes out to be about 19 cents per megabyte. Uh, you can get a medium package, which is 300 megabytes, which is $39 at 13 cents per megabyte. And then you can get the large package, which is 1,000 megabytes or, or a single gig. Um, for $89, which turns out to be $0.09 cents per megabyte. So obviously, if you're going by the per megabyte uh, cost, it's cheap, it, you know, as all things are, it's cheaper per um, per unit as, you know, the higher, uh, the more bi- the more megabytes you buy. Um, but uh, I don't know, in our experience, the, the medium package was the one that we got, and that was more than enough to, um, to keep us... Uh, to, you know, to, to do things that we needed to do while we were cruising. But in terms of maximizing your, your, your plan, this was something that I was really curious about because I, I didn't want to just leave the Wi-Fi on for the, you know, the length of my cruise, because I was afraid that it was just going to chew into my data that I had purchased while I wasn't even using it. So I, I really wanted to, to be conscious of, of, of the usage and so the first thing I'll say is there's a when you when you sign up for these plans there's a little brochure that they give you. Make sure you pick one of those up and it tells you, you know, for Apple users, here's all the different settings that you should adjust so that you can maximize your your data usage. Um, there's also one for, you know, there's a section for Android users as well. So definitely pick those up and 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 go to your phone settings and adjust those cuz um, you know, changing some of those things are definitely going to help you. Like uh, I know on the iPhone, you turn off the background app refresh, you turn off sort of the automatic app updates, um, turn off your location services. (laughs) And what I always do is I make a note next to each one that I adjust so that when I get off the cruise, I can remember to, uh, I can remember which settings I adjusted and I can put it back to the way it was, uh, before I, before I adjusted them. So that's a, that's a pretty good tip. The other thing that uh, that I learned just while we were on the cruise is that um, you can you can log into your your account each time you want to use it. So what I would do is if I wanted to post a picture, or if I wanted to check an email or something, you just go to the website or whatever it is where you log in, put in your your uh, your your credentials. It'll log you into your your data. It'll show you how much uh, usage you've had so far and how much you have left. You can. Once you're logged in, you can do whatever you, you know, whatever it is that you want to do and then actually go back in and log out. So that's going to turn off your your usage so that uh, you're not over using your data plan. So uh, definitely if you if you get one of these plans, they're already really expensive and, you know, it's not a whole lot of data, especially if um, more than one person in your family is, is using it. Uh, that's in our experience anyway, in my experience, I should say, this is the best way to maximize your your data usage. The next question is from listener Lauren H. Can you go over the breakfast and lunch options when it comes to sit-down restaurants? We found that confusing. Is it included to go to breakfast and lunch in the dining rooms? Do you have to provide separate tips since it's not your usual server? 
we weren't sure if just the buffet was standard for breakfast and lunch. Awesome. So uh, all dining options in the main dining restaurants and in cabanas are included in the cost of your cruise. Even character breakfasts, which uh, which are offered on sailing seven nights or longer. Cabanas, which is obviously the, the buffet-style dining, is uh, offered for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But you also have the option to do sit-down dining in a main dining restaurant each day. It's typically the, the restaurant that's in the main lobby of whichever ship you're sailing. But um, check your, your navigator to see which restaurants will be open and when. Uh, it'll have those, those times right in there for you. So these sit-down meals uh, in the restaurants are going to be like your dinners in the main dining restaurant. You'll order off a menu. Uh, you'll have servers taking your order and bringing you food and drinks. And unless it's by pure chance, your servers will not be the same ones as your dinner servers. And you won't be seated at, at you know your same table. So whatever table number you have at dinner, you're likely not going to have that uh, at the breakfast or lunch that you choose to go to. That being said... Uh, in terms of your dinner servers, they will typically tell you before you leave in the evening uh, where they will be the following morning. So if you want to have breakfast with them, uh, you can choose this breakfast format the next day and you can um, request to be seated wherever your servers are, are serving. So um, you do not have to pay for these meals and you do not have to leave a separate tip, um, even though they are not quote-unquote, your servers. So if uh, if you don't like the the hustle and bustle of cabanas in the morning and you're not in a hurry to, to get off the ship, these are definitely great options. Um, in our opinion, the very best breakfast option is offered on the dream and the fantasy. So on, on sea days, the Enchanted Garden restaurant opens for breakfast, and this uh, this breakfast offering is, the, in our opinion, the best of both worlds. So you're seated at your own table. Um, your servers will bring you your drinks, but it's buffet style. And uh, in hindsight, this uh, this should have been in one of my my best kept secrets episodes because we choose this breakfast literally every every uh, every time it's uh, uh, available. It's it's so nice to ha- to not have to battle for a table. Um, it's typically less crowded than cabanas. And it's uh, it's much more casual than the, the sit down breakfast, and and but uh, but much much less stressful than cabanas. And we we highly highly recommend the buffet in Enchanted Garden whenever it's offered. Um, <laughs> I know this is offered on the Dream and the Fantasy. I can't I can't for the life of me remember if it was offered the last time we sailed on the Magic back in November. Um, <laughs> I was asking Liz if if she remembered and she couldn't remember either, right? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, I think I, we would have done it if it was. Yeah, I, and I can't remember if we did or not. I just, I, 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 I just can't remember. I'm not sure that it is offered on the on the Magic Class ships, uh, but definitely on the Dream and Fantasy. Highly recommend the the uh, Enchanted Garden buffet. Um, I, uh, Lauren, I hope this answered your question. Yes, uh, you can go to the breakfast and lunch offerings in the sit down restaurants, um, and they are included in the cost of your cruise. All right. Next question is, how is Castaway Key in the winter months? This was actually a uh, concern that we had. We sailed uh, kind of in mid-November last year, and I had sailed to Castaway Key in December on my very first cruise, and the only thing I, the only thing I remember that, about that was that I absolutely loved it. I don't really remember how the weather was at Castaway Key, but I was also, I don't know, 12 or, or 10, 11, 12, I forget how old I was at the time. 
<laughs> so I probably didn't care really how cold the water was or, or what the weather was like. So when we went on this past cruise, it was a, a real concern of mine. And we, we were sort of asking around trying to see uh, what people's opinions were of the weather at Castaway Key this time of year. And it turned out to be amazing. It was maybe one of the best days that we've had at Castaway Key ever of all the times that we've been there. And so that was November. And I think, you know, just, just in hearing feedback from different guests who have sailed in kind of December and January and February, I think they, they typically say the same thing. The weather's nice, sort of mid mid low to mid seventies. The the wet the, the the big thing that a lot of people say is that the the water temperature is is not uh, always ideal for especially for people who are maybe from the south that are used to a little bit warmer weather, a little bit warmer water temperatures. The water's a little bit cooler in those winter months. Um, we I don't think we really. Uh, experienced some colder water, uh, did we, when we were in, there in November? I didn't think so anyway. It felt warm to us, but that doesn't take much. That's true. And we were. We, that's because we were coming from the, the frozen tundra of the northeast. So we were just uh, happy to get away to some sunshine and some um, <laughs> some warm weather. But the, the, the water in November was great for us. The, um, you know, the weather was great. I think, I personally think that it's a great time of year to sail to, to, to Castaway Key, especially if you're from a place where you have um, cold weather and snow. So, Okay. Next question is from listener Brian. Which is better on the Dream Level ships, Remy or Paulo? This is a great question. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> I am not able to give an answer based on personal experience. We, we've eaten in Paulo. Um, we have not yet eaten in Remy. We love Paulo, especially the brunch. Uh, and if you're choosing between brunch and dinner at Palo, I would definitely recommend the brunch. So like I said, I, we haven't eaten at Remy, so I can't give you my personal opinion on it, but I can talk a little bit about uh, the difference between the two. So the first and probably the most obvious is just the price. So brunch or dinner at Palo is going to cost you $40 per person. Um, brunch in Remy is currently running at $75 per person. And dinner is at $125 per person. Um, Remy is is very much a fine dining experience with a, a couple different menu options and uh, and has a strict dress code. Um, and that's not to say that Paulo doesn't have a, a strict dress code. It's just a little bit more casual. And when I say casual, I, you know, you, you should dress up when you go to these restaurants. Um, I don't, you know, you don't have to wear a suit and tie to them, but a nice pair of pants. A polo shirt to Paulo. Um, Remy is a little bit more upscale, so if you did want to dress up, maybe wear a tie, maybe a, a sport coat. Um, but uh, they definitely won't allow you to wear jeans or, or flip flops, or certainly not bathing suits, t-shirts, things like that. So uh, there is a strict dress code. Paulo, I, I I like to say is sort of more akin to kind of kind of your everyday. I shouldn't say everyday, but your, your date night or a night out without the kids. Um, Paulo is, is a, a fancier dining experience than the main dining restaurants, but definitely not to the extent that Remy is. Um, and then of course, Paulo serves Italian dishes while Remy serves, um, French and some American dishes. So really it all comes down to your preference. Uh, what type of food you like, what sort of dining experience, uh, do you like? Do you want to have a, a, you know, a really fancy dinner? Do you want to have a, just sort of a, a nice dinner without the kids? And, uh, and, and obviously what, what are you willing to pay for, for a nice dinner? So, um, both restaurants 
I, well, I assume Remy is fantastic. I know Paulo is fantastic. I, I highly recommend it. And if you're an adult uh, and you haven't had a chance to experience one of these, I definitely uh, recommend doing that on your next cruise. And we have come to our last question. For this round. This question is from listener Lupe. Talk a little on trip insurance and discounts given for letting Disney choose your room. All right, so I'm going to, <laughs> there's a lot here to talk about. So I will talk about the trip insurance first. The first thing I'll say is that I always, always recommend the trip insurance on Disney cruises. And I would do the same for anyone sailing on another cruise line as well. We personally pass on trip insurance for our domestic land-based vacations. But the uh, the trip insurance, I think, is, is super important for cruises. Um, in the event of a medical emergency while you are at sea or you are in a foreign port of call, the cost of uh, medical care can be astronomical, and it's a, a strong possibility that you won't be covered by your personal health insurance. So even though the trip insurance covers a bunch of other things, outside of the medical coverage, in my opinion, it's worth it just for the peace of mind when it comes to the medical care. So... With that being said, let's go over the specifics of Disney Cruise Line's coverages. So the the vacation protection plan can be added at any time up until your final payment is made. The protection plan includes a cancel for any reason option that is provided by Disney Cruise Line. It's not provided through the insurance provider. Um, this allows you to receive a future cruise credit up to 75% of the amount of the cancellation fee. So you'll essentially get 75% of your uh, of the cost of your cruise um, to go toward a future cruise in the event that you cancel for a reason that is not um, included as part of one of the insurance uh, cancel reasons. Uh, the credit has to be used within a year, but at least you don't, uh, if you don't lose all your money, if you ha have to cancel. So that's one nice thing that Disney Cruise Line does with their cancellation plan. Um, and now, so just reading from the plan here, the plan that you get through Disney Cruise Line will cover up to $10,000 for trip cancellation or interruption due to sickness, injury, death, and other covered reasons, which you can read about in the plan once you actually, um, you know, sign up for it. Uh, up to $500 if your cruise is delayed for 12 hours or more um, due to carrier cause delays. This includes weather. Up to $10,000 to cover medical treatment, hospitalization, and more if you become sick. Or injured on your cruise, this is a big one here, up to $30,000 to cover emergency medical transport. So if you need an ambulance or, you know, worst case scenario, you have to be um, take a helicopter somewhere, which probably is going to cost you more than that $30,000, but at least it's going to help. Uh, up to $3,000 to cover the loss, theft, or damage of your luggage or personal possessions, and up to $500 to cover the purchase of necessary items in your bags. Um, excuse me, if your bags are delayed for 24 hours or more. So those are the monetary benefits. There's some others as well, but um, those are the important ones in my opinion. There are also other vacation protection plans that uh, that are available outside of Disney Cruise Line, which you can which um, provide varying levels of coverage. It really just depends on how much you want to pay. Honestly, it, um, you can get plans with more or less coverage. It mostly just comes down to cost. Uh, and in our experience, the Disney's protection plan is, is actually pretty competitive with the other plan offerings. Uh, so we typically just do that for our vacations. Um, and to me, the cancel for any reason option is pretty nice, even though you uh, don't get 100% of your money back. 
moving on to the restriction and the guarantee reservations, I assume that's what you were talking about, Lupe, um, when you were asking about the the um, Disney Cruise Line uh, choose your room for you uh, options. So from time to time, Disney will offer rates that have restrictions. So these will be your lowest uh, cruise prices that you can pay. But there are a few things that you should definitely know about booking these fares. Depending on availability, these are tip. Um, there's typically three options that they uh, that they offer. So first one is IGT, which is an inside stateroom with restrictions. There's OGT, which is an outside or ocean view stateroom with uh, restrictions. And there's VGT, which is an ocean view stateroom with veranda with restrictions. Um, so these staterooms have the following uh, restrictions to these rooms. They are for new bookings only. So you can't modify an existing reservation into one of these categories. Um, Disney will assign your stateroom closer to your sale date based on availability. And you can't make specific stateroom requests. Full payment is required at the time of booking and is non-refundable, and you can't modify your reservation, and you also can't combine the offer with other discounts for promotions. And once you give them the names of the people in your stateroom, um, you can't change those uh, once booked. So if you're if you're flexible when it comes to your room location and your room choice, and 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 you know for sure that you want to sail on a specific cruise. Um, these offers are actually pretty great and typically they're not offered until close to the sale date anyway. So it's not like you have to sort of plan pretty far out to, um, to book one of these rooms. Um, but they are going to save you a good amount of money compared with the other, uh, stateroom options where you can choose your own room. They also offer guarantee staterooms from time to time, which work much like a hotel reservation. Uh, so you could choose the type of accommodation that you want, but, uh, you won't know where on the ship it's going to be. So if you choose the guarantee option, you won't be assigned a room number until closer to the sale date. Um, these staterooms do not have restrictions like the ones that I previously mentioned, but they will be slightly cheaper um, than the options where you uh, where you get to choose your own room. We've done guarantee staterooms before, and we've had okay experiences, I guess. We, we booked one of these rates on our last cruise, and we ended up in the very forward part of the ship, and I'm like, like literally second stateroom from the front. And we've always been aft cruisers. We prefer to sail um, in cabins in the back of the ship, and, and I just feel like that became even more apparent after this experience when we were sailing at the very front. We realized how much we actually like sailing um, aft. But uh, if you do a quick Google search, you'll find uh, different reviews ranging um, from really amazing and to some people have had really bad experiences booking these rooms. So it's really luck of the draw if you choose one of these guaranteed staterooms. Um, sometimes people will even get upgraded if they, if they choose one of these. So it's, uh, it's really up to you. It will allow you to save some money, but you have to uh, be willing to be flexible with, um, with your stateroom that you, that you end up receiving. So um, I think that's it. Is that is that the last of the questions? That's all I got. Yep. All right. Cool. So I, I had a few others written down, and uh, and I was preparing to uh, to answer those as well. But I was tr just trying to keep my eye on the time. So uh, I'll I'll save those for a future episode. Um, I definitely like to do one of these again sometime. So if you have any questions that you want asked, and uh, excuse me, that you want to ask and you want me to answer them on the show, I'm happy to do that. And uh, so just send me an email. Uh, excuse me, send me a message on Facebook or uh, or over on Twitter, and I will try to uh, compile a list for uh, for a future episode 
where we can do another one of these um, question and answer episodes. So I hope you enjoyed this episode, and hopefully there were some questions in here that uh, that maybe you had uh, were had been wondering yourself. Um, if not, it's uh, even more reason to send me another question. So hope you all have a great evening, and thanks so much for listening. Bye. As a reminder, you can connect with the show by following along on Twitter at the DCL Dude or by liking us on Facebook at facebook.com slash DCL Dude Podcast. Please feel free to ask a question or leave a comment or share the podcast with your followers. I'd also be very grateful if you could rate the podcast on iTunes uh, and leave me some feedback. And of course, if there's anything I can do to improve your listening experience, please let me know. Thanks so much for listening.